unfortunate truth is that we're going to have to have many children die before people wake up Mm. here. That's what's going to happen. And that's what's got the founders of the Unity Project just livid right now is that we're rushing forward pell-nell, willy-nilly, on damaging and killing children. Um, And now they're going to launch clinical trials in basically very young children, two to three, okay? And there there will be childhood death. There will be childhood damage. And it seems that we're going to have to have that for people to wake up, to get through this brain fog they're all, all suffering. Such a great video, and I'm so proud of you, Dr. Robert Malone, for your involvement in this book. And I'm so interested in asking you how you got involved. So welcome in, Dr. Robert Malone, the inventor of the core mRNA vaccine technologies and RNA transfection, and my friend. And I haven't talked to you in so long, so we have a lot of catching up to do. So first of all, tell me, tell me how you got involved with the book. So uh, I was reached... The Kennedy Organization Children's Health Defense reached out to me because I'm an expert in the technology and they were looking for an expert witness. And uh, I am glad to engage with a variety of law firms and that's essentially what CHD is, is a law firm. Bobby Kennedy is a lawyer. And uh, I had heard about the book on uh, a Steve Bannon program that I had also been on at the same time. And heard Bobby talking about it, so I was really intrigued. When when it came to a level of maturity, he asked me if I would edit it because I have so much awareness of some of the key topics and some of the inside uh, machinations of the government and how things work. I got to tell you, I, re- I ended up editing it twice, two different versions. The first time I finished reading it, uh, this isn't much of an endorsement, I was depressed for at least a week. <laughs> Well, you're being honest. It is is depressing. I I can relate to that. I I thought that I understood the way what went on with the government and with the NIH and with Tony Fauci. And and I had been through, I'd grown up with the HIV story and AIDS and AZT and all of the machinations. I knew a lot of the dark side of what had gone on there. Basically, first or second person, I had no idea of what how deep it went, how deep the corruption is, how, how twisted that story is. Um, that, and as I'm working through, that's the first third of the book approximately is the AIDS story. And, and uh, Bob Gallo and, and Tony. And as I worked through it, um, I just kept getting hit by the parallelism between what happened then and what's happening now. Mm. The second part of the book really runs through that. It talks about all of the details of, of what's gone on now, the suppression of early treatment, the advocacy and, and focus only on the vaccines and now on, the, you know, on remdesivir, all the dysfunctionalism around what happened with remdesivir, and uh, now as they're rolling out the new drugs. So that, it, it just, it's inescapable that, Tony has developed uh, a, a set of tools. He's, he's basically um, like akin to J. Edgar Hoover back in the FBI days. He's had years, decades and decades and decades to amass power. 
and and he has done so and and he uses it in a very weaponized fashion he controls the whole hhs and the academic research enterprise so i worked through all that and that then <laughs> then i'm really not feeling very good about the state of things and what's going on with the government and then the last third of the book walks us through the various war games that have happened under the sponsorship of uh, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the World Economic Forum. And uh, all the people that have been involved and trained in these war games, they're basically a, a laundry list of the world's leaders, including Justin Trudeau, the woman that's uh, managing the, uh, a lot of the response in Australia that's so heavy handed. Uh, a lot of our current leaders in the government, uh, members of the CCP in China, we're all trained in these war games in, in Johns Hopkins that came up with a script for how they were going to respond to the outbreak. And it appears that what they've done is they built a, a basically a battle plan, a war plan, for how they would respond to a highly lethal virus with the assumption that they would rapidly develop a highly effective vaccine. There you go, event 201. Um, and uh, you can, this is not hidden. This is not conspiracy. As you see, you can go online, you can grab the clips and uh, you can read the minutes and the notes and look at who participated in all these meetings, including people from CNN, um, CDC right there, Stephen Red. I mean, it, it just goes on and on and on. So they came up with a battle plan through multiple uh, of these training sessions, these war games. The last one occurred in, I think, the third quarter of 2019, right before the outbreak, and it envisioned a coronavirus outbreak that was highly lethal. And they, they seem to, if you look at what they lay out in their strategy for their war games, they're basically moving in lockstep right down that battle plan. Now, here's the thing. I think what may make some sense out of what we've been seeing is that these group of geniuses had built this battle plan with certain assumptions and certain types of people participating, including people from the intelligence community. Every one of these ended up with the need for authoritarian measures and forced vaccination. Every one of these scenarios they worked up. And I think it has a lot to do with who was in the room and uh, the parameters they were given. But then they encounter the real thing come, you know, January thereabouts of 2020. And they don't modify the plan. Mm. They just stick to it. They just hammer it on us again and again and again. And any good commander knows that as soon as you, that your battle plan is only as good as the first encounter with the enemy. And then you have to modify it. And what appears to be happening, and this for me was the great insight from reading the book, is that um, we've got this, uh, individual that has amassed a huge amount of power, has distorted the whole HHS system, works uh, very closely with Bill Gates in close coordination. Bill Gates basically controls the WHO. They built this uh, war game scenario with close cooperation from this Johns Hopkins shop that's basically a CIA shop. And uh, they've just been implementing it in lockstep and uh, driving towards the inevitable conclusion of what they believe uh, is the necessary process in order to force vaccination. And, and as I said, the 
key problem here is they've gone down this road and they never adapted to the fact that this is not a highly lethal virus, except in certain special populations. For most of us, this is not something to fear. They also assumed that natural immunity wasn't going to work. And uh, that's, that's kind of where we're at right now is a bunch of bureaucrats and spooks and government and media people and people associated with the Gates Foundation, the World Economic Forum, who have vested financial interests, built a war plan and they're going to give it to us good and hard whether we like it or not, and whether or not it makes sense. And I think that's what's going on. Well, you have constantly said noble lie, the noble lie. I mean, that's, I feel like you almost coined that. I mean, is this beyond noble at this point? I mean, do you Obviously. think, <laughs> do yeah. you think that, he, do they you just, think that Fauci perjured himself? Uh, obviously Fauci perjured himself. The director of the CDC lies like a trooper on a routine basis. I was I was uh, sitting with some colleagues the other day down in Ocala, Florida. For How about that, BRTs? You were sitting with some colleagues. <laughs> and after the break, we'll find out what happened after we were sitting with his colleagues. After this break, thank you for watching. Go to InfoWarsStore.com to support. Welcome back to The War Room. Christy Lee guest hosting today. Today, we are focusing on the attack on our children, both with putting pornography in schools, uh, trying to get them to take puberty blockers, things all before they necessarily can reach an age of maturity to have consent. And then also obviously this huge aggressive push to vaccinate children when their risk is so low. And we're talking to the inventor of the core mRNA vaccine technologies, Dr. Robert Malone. And Dr. Robert Malone, thank you so much for coming on. One of the reasons I love interviewing you is I, you're just so honest. I just feel like you just say it like it is. No matter, no matter if it makes either side upset, because let's face it, some people have kind of wrote on your coattails and the, the, the most extreme they're saying absolutely no vaccinations, period. Some, some are, have come on your side and you're like, no, I, I, I agree that there's a place for vaccination and there might even be a place for this vaccination in certain populations and in certain people, but um, certainly not for the kids. So I wanted to ask you about that. I saw an article Oh, actually, we, we teased about you you meeting with your colleagues. Let's go to that first. I don't want to give a tease and then not let you finish your, your, your thought. We were go ahead. on talking about Rachel Walensky, the CDC director, and the comment was, where did they find her? Because she just lies and lies and lies, and, and she doesn't bat an eyelid. It, it is amazing. Where would you find somebody that is willing to serve in that kind of a position and repeatedly lie um, with a straight face? It, how do you train somebody to do that? It's it's profound. And and it's, you know, Tony, I get that he's been through this 30-year arc of, you know, creeping corruption and power and all the all the things that he does and he is. But Rachel just came out of nowhere and and she's a master at it. She'll just look straight in the camera and lie. What about and, about Rachel Walensky or Rochelle Walensky when they asked her? They said, "How much? What percentage of the people in the CDC are vaccinated?" And she was just like, "We're encouraging them too," and she wouldn't give a percentage. What, what did you think about that? Do you think she knew or didn't know? I think she knew exactly what the number is because the federal government is tracking that metric. I mean, she just lies. 
she lies all the time. And and it's for those of us that are that are well aware of the data and watching what's going on closely, we're we're just gobsmacked. We're fascinated by this person that routinely comes on as a bureaucrat and misrepresents the truth um, uh, with with no no qualms. There, it's 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 fascinating to watch. It's deeply corrupt, uh, and and it's uh, I I don't. It's a it's a symptom of what we've got going on right now. Now, again, you are not somebody that if we're going to be truthful and honest and accurate and intentional, which I appreciate that you are also very intentional with your words, very um, introspective, and I appreciate that about that. Appreciate that about you. So as long as we're being intentional and accurate, you are not anti-vax, even if they try and redefine <coughs> the word, <laughs> you're not anti-vax. And I mean, how could you be? You've worked with vaccinations for years, even consulting with the Department of Defense. It's absolutely ludicrous when they try and say you're anti-vaccination. But what are your specific thoughts on what they're trying to do with children? This is absolutely, okay, I'm going to use another strong word, uh, but hey, here I'm on the worm. Um, <laughs> This is this is obscene. It is. It is a such a gross perversion of bioethics that uh, it's causing uh, people. There's a, a senior researcher in vaccinology, a very respected vaccinologist at the NIH that's now come out. That's to say that to say that there's somebody there that is willing to step out, speak in the press say that mandates are absolutely wrong and disclose that he had sent a memo to Tony Fauci back in July saying that he objected to this is profound. And he's going to be giving a lecture at NIH. It's going to be streamed on December 1. I spoke to him earlier today and he's he's concerned. He's concerned for his job. And by the way, he's also filed a religious exemption because he doesn't want to take the jab. This is a, a senior, very seasoned 45-year-old approximately um, MD uh, medical researcher who focuses and on- won an award, And won an vaccine. award for with the NIH, right? Yeah, precisely. And so I mean, they constantly he, try and put this narrative out there that it's just fringe conspiracy theorists that are against this. And you have, how can they hide that somebody's in the NIH, won an award, and even he doesn't want to take it? Well, and, and you got people like Peter McCullough. He's one of the most highly published authors in, in the world in his specialty. Uh, Pierre Corey, who wrote the textbook on ICU management. Uh, there, it just goes on and on and on. The, you know, the, the, um, a senior full professor at Harvard, Martin Kuldoff, that's now running the Brownstone Institute, who's another strong objector to what's going on. The, and then... Then we have what we've done with the Alliance of Physicians and Scientists that you can find on globalcovid.org, globalcovidsummit.org, where we've got over 13,000 physicians and scientists from all over the world that have signed on the Physicians' Declarations of Rights and uh, the second declaration that basically says don't jab the kids, allow physicians to practice medicine, and don't vaccinate or restrict the movement of people who have natural immunity. Thousands and thousands. There are more scientists and physicians that have signed off on this than are employed at the entire HHS. 
Okay? Wow. Let that sink in for a moment. Okay. We're, we're not a bunch of right wing proud boy nutcases. Uh, not to <laughs> There's the quote. Proud, proud There's boys, the quote right okay? there. We're not a bunch of proud boy nutcases. <laughs> but that's, that's how they want to paint us, right? I know. It's, it's this intentional targeting of physicians. They are hunting, the press is hunting physicians in coordination with big pharma. That's what's going on, and they're doing it all over the world. Yesterday, I was on a, on a Zoom call with a group of scientists and physicians from uh, Canada, and there was a very skilled ICU doc there who basically lost his hospital privileges, and, their, and he was mm. suspended from his ability to practice because he had treated a total of, count them, two patients wow. with shh, the horse drug, ivermectin. Okay, and for that sin of trying to save his patient's life, he has had 12 years of education, amazing amounts of money that he's had to spend to get it thrown right down. Mm. the But um, because he was trying to save patients, it's you know, there's all kinds of uh, you talk about the things that are happening in the schools. And I appreciate that segment that you just ran into. This weaponization of rules and regulations against people is happening all over the place. The latest one is, by the way, that there you can look in the Federalist. Nice little piece there. There, the OSHA is going to rely on snitches to enforce mm. their new policy. That's the plan. They don't have enough people to go around and inspect as all these businesses that have a hundred or more employees and see whether or not they're all complying with the Biden mandate. And so they're going to ask for snitches. Now, you know what that's going to do is it's precisely, boy, you, your crew is on the ball. <laughs> we got to come back. We're, we're going we're, we're to come back and let you finish what you're saying, Dr. Malone. After this break, more questions for you too. Isolate, contain and control, and then abuse, isolate, then contain and control, then abuse or kill. That's been the model of oppressors and tyrants and cults since human history began to be recorded over 7,000 years ago. And now here we are today with the Davos Group, representing the most powerful corporations on earth, the most powerful families, including royalty, literally saying they're setting up a world government to depopulate us literally teaching children that they are non-essential and that they can't have running water or electricity. That's what Obama went to Africa six years ago before he left office and told them on record, these are the greatest oppressors the world has ever seen. They don't care about the environment. When you read deeper into their documents, they're basically mad scientists or transhumanists that believe they're gonna transcend carbon-based life and overwrite the entire planet. This is delusions of grandeur. All of the top Davos high priests are called high priests. And they say that they are transcending humanity and that they're going to basically absorb us in that transformation. The lockdowns, the vaccine passports are all the global social credit score world tracking system they've now announced a month ago. I told you decades ago this was coming because it was in their documents. Now it's not theoretical. It's gone from beta to operational. And it doesn't matter whether you're a conservative, it doesn't matter whether you're a liberal, a Christian, a Buddhist, a, a, a 
an atheist. This is a scientific dictatorship taking over and targeting you, and you need to get out of the prison of the mind that you've let them build for you, out of the constructs, and break free and transcend and get back to your human roots and use your basic instincts in you with your intellect to decide that you are not going to be a slave of this and you're taking control of your destiny. Coming in December, I'm going to release the most powerful information ever, not just from Alex Jones, but period, when it comes to transcending tyranny. You'll find more information at band.video and infowars.com. If you are watching this transmission, never forget, you are the hope of the universe. You are the seed of the universe. You are the resistance. Welcome back to the War Room. Christy Lee guest hosting today. I am here with Dr. Robert Malone, the inventor of the core mRNA vaccine technologies and countless other things in his bio that I don't have time to dig into because we got to get back into the meat of our subject. Dr. Robert Malone, there is a question that I'm burning to ask you. We just had a story actually put out on the website here about, uh, and maybe you won't have heard about this or, or can't and we can just move on, but I got to ask you that... Um, the FDA documents show Pfizer secretly added a heart attack drug to children's COVID vaccines. It can be right found right in the FDA document that they added a uh, to the children's formulation um, tromethamine tris, a chemical that reduces blood acidity and stabilizes people who have suffered a heart attack. Did you have any um, anything that you wanted to to say about that? So what that is is a buffer. Um, it, it, uh, so buffer is kind of a sciencey word. It is something to, as you say, make sure the pH of the formulations stays stable. I doubt that there's enough of that agent in the, uh, formulations to have a big impact on the cardiac disease risk, but it could well be that they're thinking that there might be some marginal effect associated with it. It is, uh, they, they seem to have played kind of fast and loose with the formulations all the way through. And there's a lot of discussion about whether or not the formulations have been modified as they've been administered uh, under EUA, yet we can't discover any of that. The FDA isn't transparent and Pfizer has terms and conditions that blocks it from being transparent. So it, it does to assert that this is the same drug as the uh, Comanerdi or the EUA Pfizer for adults only at a different dose, we now clearly know that's false. Why they felt they had to add a buffer that has this activity, they don't disclose. They just tell us flat out that they've done it. Um, it, it adds more fuel to the fire of people just not trusting Pfizer and also not trusting Moderna because the failure to be transparent and the terms and conditions that Pfizer has imposed on governments, the lack of accountability that is built into this whole stack of, you know, I don't know, I, I we're on a public uh, broadcast, uh, but uh, um, barnyard terms apply. Uh, it, it is uh, amazing to me that the FDA just keeps rolling over like a lapdog for these people, but they do again and again and again. Why would and they add a buffer like that, though? I mean, is it because there's concerns of the myocarditis and the blood clotting? That is that why they would put something so like that? Here's, in there? 
here's the problem I have with that hypothesis. And, you know, basically they, sh- they owe it to us to explain why they've done it. Okay. And the FDA owes it to us. And once again, there's the failure to be transparent that just generates all kinds of fear and anxiety and, and further lack. Of- yeah, I know that. One. <laughs> uh, yeah. So broke back. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, oh, that just got so- you all off track. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> it was a little distraction, but I've seen that meme pop up. There's a number of pretty good ones that that uh, the Twitter world is Twitterverse has come up with, and that's. I mean, that's you got to bring them. some levity in this in this into the yeah. situation oh, because you, have, you you're either going to laugh or you're going to cry. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so I'm I'm with you on that. But what you know, the problem I have with the thesis that they're trying to backdoor some sort of a additional therapeutic agent into the injection to counteract the effects, uh, the adverse effects of the jab itself, the vaccine itself. The problem is they don't inject that much volume. And so in order to have, because it'll quickly get distributed in the blood and diluted. So it's hard for me to imagine that they are putting it in at a concentration that's going to be clinically significant. It, it probably has to do with some problems that they've had with the stability of the RNA formulations at different uh, pHs, and they elected to use an agent that had, was known to have some potential mitigating benefit for the known adverse events. That's all I can think of. But isn't it strange well, that they don't even address it, but then they, they're, they're going to approve it unanimously it, for emergency use authorization, but then they don't even address that they put this other element in the, in the shot? Christy, you're being very gentle uh, <laughs> to call it strange. Okay, um, uh, and and I applaud you uh, for because it's a lot of other things other than strange. It's you know uh, deceitful might come to mind. Uh, um, obscene, like you said before, obscene, yeah, criminal, absolutely not transparent. Um, but we're in a situation. I'm sorry. I know it's going to be a shock to people on Infowars for me to say this. The government is profoundly corrupt and lawless now. They are off the reservation. They're just off the tracks. They don't care about the law. They don't care about the law, about bioethics. They don't care about uh, overextending OSHA. I mean, they, they doctor, have, they have I mean, this has got to so be, far. this has got to be sh- more than shocking to you because I think that there was a time that maybe some would have called you a bureaucrat. I mean, working with the Department of Defense, I mean, having gone to Harvard, y- y- you seem like somebody that would have wanted or to fall lockstep in, in with all this. So, I mean, have you been shocked by the circles that you were running in? I, I, what, what is going on is profoundly disillusioning. I'm, I'm at a place, and then there's, and then there's the cooked clinical trial, um, run by a, uh, a Texas, as I recall, a clinical contract research organization. I'm part of that industry too, and if I pulled that little trick, I, I would have been probably prohibited from ever running another clinical trial, and I would have had a 483 letter from the FDA on my CV. Okay, what, what has gone on? is absolutely inappropriate. Oh yeah, we have this little <laughs> lovely thing. That Thank was the worst that. article ever. I if you need to go back in the in the history and watch how I tear that that's on my website too. I tear that yeah that stupid so article that's apart. become a badge of honor. 
Um, <laughs> I did a podcast uh, last night where that was the lead, the enticement. I'm I'm labeled as the most maligned scientist in the world at this point, and and I wear it as a badge of honor. You know that article was so over the top that anybody that reads it that's at all impartial is aware that I'm being slandered. It contradicts itself thing, all throughout the article. All you have to do is and, read it. I'm like, wait a minute. I, I don't, the, poor, the poor gentleman, Bartlett, that wrote that, which you know, his usual uh, um, journal that he writes for is the Chronicle of Higher Education. Um, so you can figure, if you know what the Chronicle of Higher Education is, it's basically an industry rag for all the universities. Okay, so that's that's his usual landscape. I doubt that he's ever going to – I don't know how anybody would ever allow themselves to be interviewed by this gentleman again if they look at that article. Yeah. I think he must He was used to be somebody to write a hit piece. But back to I – I wanted to focus in on, on the kids. There was an article that – recent article, 12-year-old child dies two days after taking Pfizer vaccine in Germany, which causes officials to pull back on the mandatory shots for – for children, interesting about this article is that from now on, only children without known pre-existing diseases should be vaccinated in the schools in the district area. So it's interesting because they always tout this vaccine to be for though to to be a vaccine for those that are immunocompromised or have pre-existing conditions. They should be the ones to get the vaccine, but they're doing the exact opposite because it took a 12-year-old to die before they pull back. What are your oh, thoughts on Christy, that? I, I, what is so... I'm involved with the Unity Project, and I put the URL for that um, in the chat box. Uh, that's about to be rolled out. It has major, major funding behind it. There is a, a lot of very wealthy individuals, and they are from both the far left and the right, coming together, and they are mad as hell about what Gavin Newsom is doing in California and about these mandates being rolled out across the United States. They are furious. And there is about to be a major backlash. Now, we only got 27 seconds. Oh, you're uh, catching on. Look at you, (laughs) Dr. Robert Malone. All right. Yeah, we got 20 seconds. Um, So we're going to be talking about more vindication for you, which as if you need it anymore. But we're going to cover some more more vindication for you after (laughs) this segment or after this break. Welcome back to the War Room. We are talking to Dr. Robert Malone, probably one of the most specific qualified person to talk about vaccines, but not according to the mainstream media, of course. But day by day, Dr. Robert Malone gets vindicated more and more and more. So I wanted to talk to you about this article. I found it on Liberty Loft. And it talks about the Pfizer CEO calling its jab gene editing himself. Pfizer CEO Albert Burla had an hour-long interview on Tuesday with Frederick Kemp of Atlantic Council in which he calls mRNA shots, a gene editing, which is an admission that the mRNA jabs are not a vaccine. I find this interesting because in one of my first interviews with you, you said that you find it to be more of a vaccine slash gene therapy and you got attacked on that. But wait a minute, the Pfizer CEO can call it gene editing. One also has to wonder what to think when the so-called fact checkers like Reuters has called anyone calling the jab gene editing or gene therapy as spreading misinformation Yet you have the CEO of Pfizer calling it that. So what say you about this information, Dr. Malone? So he's he said a bunch of things. He's kind of coming off the rails lately, too. Uh, yeah, thank you for putting up the Unity Project. I'd like to just address your comment in the last segment. Uh, you talked about uh, one child dying. 
the unfortunate truth is that we're going to have to have many children die before people wake up mm. here. That's what's going to happen. And that's what's got the founders of the Unity Project just livid right now is that we're rushing forward pell-nell, willy-nilly, on damaging and killing children. Um, and now they're going to launch clinical trials in basically very young children, two to three, okay? And there will be childhood death. There will be childhood damage. And it seems that we're going to have to have that for people to wake up, to get through this brain fog they're all all suffering. So the Unity Project has been set up to to bring people together over this and to fight against it. So watch for the rollout on that and think about enlisting on their site right now. Now to your point about Borea, this, this guy is also the one that said that those of us that are peddling misinformation that apparently is being identified by our good friends at the CIA and the FBI, another great brain trust, um, uh, are they, we should be put in jail, right? And, and he said this with a straight face, given that Pfizer is probably the most highly criminalized criminal penalty. Uh, uh, how do I say this? They have had more uh, criminal penalties levied against them than just about any other country in the world. That If there is a case to be made for a criminal organization, I think the case is that it's Pfizer. And the question is, is this guy projecting? Is he under so much stress over all the misdeeds that they've done that he's starting to come off the rails? And the statement that exactly, it just goes on and on and on. The corruption at Pfizer, paying off physicians, all kinds of stuff. Okay, Pfizer is has a traditional, a longstanding history of criminal activity. And, and for the CEO to be making these statements, and then his comments about gene editing, I could imagine that his scientists must have just been cringing. That is, I mean, I, I said it was gene therapy. To call it gene editing is playing into the absolute worst fears of everybody. And, and I've been asked about this practically every time I talk in public. Is, is it possible that the mRNA is going to be modifying the genome? And I always say, well, technically it's possible by this mechanism or that mechanism. And I cite Rudy Yanish in his PNAS article about reverse transcriptase. But I say, is it clinically likely? Absolutely not. And then, um, in my opinion, but then in clinically significant, no, it's non highly unlikely to be clinically significant. And yet here the CEO of Pfizer comes out and sticks his foot right in his mouth. What this teaches to me is that guy must be under incredible psychological pressure right now. He, his cognitive dissonance. I mean, think about it. Imagine, because Pfizer knows what this true clinical safety data are. They're just not sharing it with the rest of us. I mean, th this, it's, it's this hard guy, to wrap your knows, mind around. This guy knows that his firm is responsible for killing with this product probably tens, if not hundreds of thousands of people worldwide. He knows it. And he has to go to sleep with that awareness every single day. And now they're coming after okay? the kids. I mean, it is it is absolutely insane. How does, how does one come through the evolution that you have having taken the vaccine yourself, feeling, you know, and, and understanding how it works to now recognizing that it's 
been weaponized and is a danger and threat to our children? Um, profoundly disillusioned. Um, uh, I try not to get depressed. Uh, what, what has happened to my industry and all the things that I've been trained about and the technology that I gave birth to, this is not okay. Um, and uh, so what can you do about it? Well, <coughs> pardon me. I picked up a respiratory virus in Florida last weekend. Mm. Um, so, uh, you know, you, you can sit by and say, oh, well, you know, I don't want to make a fuss. This is what my colleagues are doing. I don't want to make a fuss. I don't want to lose my job. I don't want to be slandered by the press. I don't want to be attacked and and having my license taken away. Or you can get on the stick and do what's right. And for me, I, I guess maybe, you know, one of the things I find fascinating, I'm older, all the docs that I'm running into almost now, there's more and more younger ones starting to come in, but the leaders are all the elders in medicine. If you look at those people that were talking at the Florida COVID summit, we're a bunch of gray hairs. <laughs> and why is that? Because we're at a stage in our career and we have the experience level that we can take risk and say and speak our minds and speak the truth. And that's the significance of Matt Memley coming out. Matt Memley is in his mid-40s. I'm sure he's got kids. <laughs> he's got a mortgage. He's probably still paying off his medical school. And most of the folks that work at the NIH and the NIAID in particular that are in this business space, they, they won't say boo. Tony Fauci is the only one that's allowed to speak. And yet Matt is, is bravely standing up and saying, no, this is wrong. This guy is a new hero. Now, I spoke to him today and he says he doesn't want to go on the press anymore. He's going to give his talk on the first and uh, I would have loved to get him on some various segments that, you know, with me and let's talk about this. I, I respect the guy. He's a very solid scientist, but he is he is committed to trying to work within the system. And that's a good thing. I mean, I'm outside of the system now, largely, although I still work with my DOD colleagues. Um, but Matt is trying to make change from within the NIAD. That is brave. Mm. Uh, so. Uh, I think that uh, there's signs that things are changing, uh, but uh, the fact that folks like me and and other elders in medicine and vaccinology are the ones and and drugs and drug repurposing are the ones that are speaking out is really an indication. It's not just because of our seniority and our experience. And awareness of what's right and what's wrong. There you go. There's our, our bunch of old folks. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, it's also, as Pierre Corey and Ryan Cole, et cetera, really great session we had. But it's, it's that um, we have the freedom to speak. And the younger ones are locked into these incredibly onerous uh, uh, debt structures that they've acquired from medical school. They have to work with. I mean, I've already hospitals. talked to multiple, multiple doctors that say I, I have concerns, but I cannot speak up because I cannot afford to lose my license. Multiple, multiple doctors. So we're not getting a clear picture on resistance. Now, you made an interesting comment that you find it depressing. Do you feel in any way um, complicit in, in holding the, the fact that you helped develop the technology? And is what you're doing now kind of redemptive? 
Interesting. I, I don't, I, I do try to ponder things from time to time. I've never gone there in my mind. I, uh, so you're asking a deep question. Let's see if I can look inside. I don't feel guilty about this. I feel mad as hell. Mm. I mean, I, I try to stay really calm and project calm in, in logic and stay focused on the facts. But the truth is I'm burning inside. I am furious about what's been done, not just with the technology that I helped give birth to, but what's been done to my industry and the norms of my industry. Now, what we're going to be coming out with is another thing that's about to come out, and it's it's kind of got a fascinating history. Well, I want to hear about that, and I know we were supposed to end at five, but can can you hold over for just the first five minutes of the next hour because I don't want to rush rush through the goodbye. Okay, thank you, Dr. Malone. I'll see you after this break. Welcome to the the first of the final hour of War Room. I'm Christy Lee, guest hosting today. I've been talking to doc, Dr. Robert Malone, and I was supposed to let him go at five, but he just has so many good things to say that I, I had to hold him hostage. So, Dr. Malone, thanks for you. Thank you for sticking with us. And um, I kind of put you on the spot and asked you, you kind of a really a terrible question, shame on me. Do you feel guilty about... Uh, helping form the technology that is now the vaccine that they're trying to mandate that we take and that we're concerned about. And you said you're more upset than anything. And go ahead and finish your thought because you got cut off. Well, thanks for that. Yeah, I'm furious inside by what's going on. They're destroying my industry. They're destroying the norms that we've always had. And I was referring to the Malone Doctrine, which is a, a fascinating little piece that was written by um, some building inspectors in uh, Maui. And uh, they uh, came up to me after I'd given a rally and they said, you know, we, we live in a world in which integrity is everything. We have this huge book that we use um, called the International Building Code to ensure that structures have integrity. And they said the real problem is, <coughs> pardon me, the real problem of what's gone on is our entire system has lost integrity. And what we need is a new code of ethics that lays out what constitutes integrity in the context of, of medical research and uh, um medical practice. And they came up with an amazing document. They called the Malone Doctrine. I was embarrassed and flattered, <laughs> gave it to me on my birthday uh, uh, at the end of October and said, here, this is for you. And every physician that has read that thing has just gone, good heavens, that's exactly what the problem is, is we, we, have, we have created a culture, it's very DC, where it's okay to lie where it's okay to misrepresent things, where it's okay to break the rules, where it's okay to do whatever you want to do for political expediency or to advance your power or whatever, and that has got to stop. We've created a culture in which it's okay for the pharmaceutical industry to co-opt um, the entire legislature and the entire HHS. It's okay. It's what we're tolerating. And um, that is where we're at right now. I want to know in these final silver lining uh, and there's a silver lining we're we on the other side we got to figure out how to fix this. Yeah, we do have to figure out how to fix this. And in these final 2 minutes um that I have with you and Dr. Malone and I are going to do an extended interview soon. He's already agreed. I've already um asked him about that. But in these final now 1 minute and 50 seconds, what is the advice that you can give to parents right now that are concerned about the shot? 
Okay, I'm going to be blunt again. Resist. Do not have your children take the shot. It won't be all your children. It will be a small fraction of your children. But it's like going to Vegas and spinning on the roulette table, okay? You, you, know, you don't know if, if the, the little ball is going to drop in the slot that represents your kid and your kid is going to have myocarditis or one of these other effects. Don't let them do it. It is absolutely wrong. Kids don't get bad disease unless your child has cystic fibrosis or cancer is under chemotherapy, one of those other existing conditions. But if you have a healthy, healthy kid, don't give them the shot. And the logic that that giving your kids the shot to protect Mm. you, that's just obscene. Don't buy into that. Okay, you're going to have to if you have to homeschool. Both of our boys are homeschooled. They both make more money than me. They're (laughs) both computer scientists. They're both married. They're happy as clams. And uh, don't fear homeschooling. Homeschooling can be a good thing. That seems like the big message. I had to do it um, last year for all three. I thought I would maybe get a little bit of break, but more and more all signs are pointing to that I might need to pull them back out and do the homeschool thing. I was homeschooled. I think it turned out okay. (laughs) I think so. (laughs) I hope so. I hope you think so. All right. Thank you, Dr. Malone. So appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. I look forward to setting up our extended uninterrupted interview very, very soon. We both got our home studios in working working in order. So thank you so much, Dr. Malone. Talk to you soon. 